Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight. He's, he's kind of an open book. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! Hey, can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. USAToday.com. And uh, before we dive into football here for a minute, Dan Hayes, twins writer for The Athletic, will join in about 12 minutes or so. You and I were just off the air talking about the roster crunch, and Zach Granite was the number one play on SportsCenter this morning. Diving catch in the gap yesterday, mm-hmm. full laying out. Will he make the team? We can get into some of the 25-man roster stuff, but uh, USA Today has some updated Super Bowl odds for 2018, courtesy of Bovada. Let's start down here. There's a couple teams that are making big jumps. Let's start this is like fringe top 10. Jaguars will cut our way up. Uh, 28 to 1. Falcons and Texans and Saints, 18 to 1. Uh, Niners up to 14 to 1 with the Rams to win the Super Bowl. Those yeah. teams are, let's see here, sixth and seventh. Garoppolo, Richard Sherman. Uh, Packers also 14 to 1. And this is post free agency, pre draft, obviously. Steelers at 12 to 1. Vikings in third at 9 to 1 behind only the Eagles and the Patriots. Your thoughts? And the Vikings being the third most likely team to win the Super Bowl. Who's right behind the Vikings again? Uh, Steelers, Packers, Rams, 49ers, Saints, Falcons, Texans, yeah, Jaguars, all the way down yes. there. Yes, I think uh, the that's... Broncos jump from 33 to 1 to 25 to 1, landing Case Keenum and moving up in the <laughs> in the order. Okay, then. I think the Vikings is very fair. I think that's about right. Uh, if you look at the fact that they, they are pretty convinced, uh, and perhaps rightfully so, that they've improved the quarterback position from being and and this is not this is not necessarily that they've just improved it from two thousand. 17. I think in the, in their thinking, they've improved it, period, across the board, given what Keenum did before last season. Uh, defensive tackle, defensive line, I think, is improved. You would assume that they're probably going to get some interior offensive line help. I think that's incredibly fair. Yes. Yeah, it's also— like, I think it's, it's dead, dead on accurate for where things stand right now. The Seahawks are like 15th on this list. They've gone from—well, they actually went from 28-1 to 1 to 25-1. to 1. I don't know why they jumped up in the last month and a half. I mean, they lost— Sheldon Richardson, and they actually replaced Sheldon Richardson with Tom, Tom Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, they signed him today. Uh, it's not like they've—I don't think they've revamped their offensive line. They might have made a tweak or two here. But that's what's really interesting about the NFC. Like, the Seahawks have what I think is a Hall of Fame quarterback, Russell Wilson. And they're, and they're, they're certainly not going to be th- a 3-13 and bad team, but they're on the outside looking in, right? Like, in their division, no one's going to pick them above the Rams— a lot of people are going to pick the Niners to finish above the Seahawks. And it's possible the Cardinals with, 
you know, four or five all pro caliber players. Yeah, I think and then, Seattle's the third team for sure, right? Because defensively, maybe fourth defense in that division. Defensively, Seattle's lost a lot of aging players. So I think at the preseason prediction wise, I think you're going to go Rams, Niners. Some people might go vice versa on that. Seattle third. I think Arizona would still probably or should be fourth. So all right, just for fun, what would your right now six playoff teams in the NFC? <laughs> knowing that you know there's turnover, but you can you can craft them however you want. Yep. I think for sure. I think Vikings. I think Vikings. That's going to be a tough road. You're going to have to face Aaron Rodgers twice, and you didn't have to do that last year. Well, you faced him for a quarter. Uh, you're going to have a tougher schedule. But I think Vikings, I think I'm going Niners and Rams and Eagles. That's four. Now you got to go to the South. Saints to win the South, and then a wild card team. And that's where you get, like, you got the Falcons, you got the Packers. We're all- talking. Great quarterbacks. And you also have to keep in mind that history tells us that there is um, largely, on a per-season basis, some uh, some change as well. So that like the Cowboys, like you could can't pop like, like you something. can't go, you can't just say, well, the, this team was good last year. Yeah, I would say I'm going to say Green Bay for that last spot. So two teams out of the North, two teams out of the West. Okay, and then you get the Eagles and the Saints. So not a ton of turnover, I guess. So the the six playoff teams uh, after this past season were Philadelphia, the Vikings, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons, and then the Rams. Whew, I would say San Francisco makes it. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I would say the Saints make it back. The Vikings make it. The Packers make it. I think if you if you have Rodgers healthy for an entire season, you're gonna make it. Uh, and then from the East, I would put the Cowboys back in and Philadelphia. Wow, is that six right there? So do it again. Green Bay, Minnesota. Green Bay, Minnesota. San Francisco, Philadelphia. Uh, it looks like you have the Rams out. Then I have the Rams out. Somebody's going to come back to earth. And, and it's possible Jared, that like you could drop to 8 and 8 with a tougher schedule or something. And the Rams story w- was a great story. The Ra- the Rams to me if they don't make the playoffs, it doesn't mean that they are as a franchise in trouble, but they are the classic team that rises up, gets really gets good for a year and then and then the coordin- coordinators defensively have the entire off season to look at what Goff and McVay did and they pick that apart. And then what you just said is true. Their schedule probably gets tougher. And now Goff is it Goff isn't bad in 2018, but he's not the same quarterback. And you go, you, you win nine games and miss the playoffs yeah. or something like that. Uh, here's here's another interesting factoid about these Bovada Super Bowl odds. Of the top nine teams listed, seven are from the NFC, which means in theory, if you just were to rank teams based on this, there'd be a non-playoff team in the NFC that they have as a as better Super Bowl odds than potentially two division winners in the AFC. Which will spark the, the conversation again about the entire system being fair. And I'm fine with it. Like, whatever. But, this, I mean, but, but Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger even it out at the top. Those odds go, go back to what we talked about, I think, on last week's show, which is this. The quarterbacks. The, the quarterbacks in this conference, across the board, yeah. as we said, are damn good. Yeah, there's only like two or three stop gaps or guys. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, go prove it. Uh, the Cardinals with Sam Bradford now, you know, wobbly Sam Bradford. My question for the AFC: What happens if this is the last year for Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady? Because Roethlisberger's been hinting retirement for a couple of years. Seems like he's he's lashing out more in his own way at Mike Tomlin oh. through the media. Yeah. Tom Brady could pull the trigger on retirement at any point here. He's 41 years old. 
I'm what make, does the rest of the AFC now? Is it like okay now the Jaguars? I'm going to make a a statement that's going to seem ridiculous right now, but if this team has finally gotten their executives right, it could come to fruition within the next three years or so. Cleveland could get good really fast. Yeah, if the Cleveland Browns do, if they if they capitalize on this draft in which I believe they have two picks in the top five, is that correct? Yes. And if you look top at top four, okay. And if you look at all of the players that they brought on, and if John Dorsey can do a good job, Cleveland does not have to be a cesspool. It's not a bad market. They they at, at one time with the previous incarnation of their franchise were very successful for a long time. There is no edict that says Cleveland has to be a joke. I think the Cleveland Browns have a very, very good chance if they are if they are run wisely, which they might be now, to get good within three years. In fact, if you just and I know that it's really hard to do this because like the history of franchises is kind of ingrained in our thinking and it, it's ingrained in fan bases and and there's there's probably a little bit of gravitational pull if you're the Browns to the cesspool. But if you knew nothing else about the Cleveland Browns from 1999 through 2017, or the fact that they lost all their games last year. If you just said, all right, it's been a while since they've made the playoffs, and here are their current circumstances. They can pick whoever they want first and fourth overall. They've got a bunch of money to spend. In fact, they did. They they landed a, a rock-solid quarterback in Tyrod Taylor in uh, in, a, in a trade. They signed a couple other free agents, too. I mean, they've... so they've Now, Joe Thomas retires, but with all these draft pick assets and the salary cap, and now they've got their best quarterback that they've had in a long time, even if he's only a league average quarterback, what would you think? I, w- I kind of agree with that you. I don't, good. I'm not going to say they make the playoffs this year, but could they get back to being respectable in the next no. two or three years? Absolutely. They should. They but should. If Big if Big Ben quits here and, and Pittsburgh doesn't get bad, but Pittsburgh is not fantastic, Cleveland could rise up within about three years. The Jets could, too. If the Jets get, I mean, the, the Jets have been good before. If the Jets are successful in finding a quarterback, and Bowles, I think, is a halfway decent coach, and he's certainly pretty good defensively, or he can be, who's to say the Jets and Browns can't get good? And once Brady's gone, once Brady's gone, I got, how, how long does Belichick want to do this? He can't want to do this forever, I wouldn't think. I mean, it depends on how real the strife is. It's coming, the fact that there's that much strife and your quarterback is 40, 41 years old, and you don't really have an option at backup at this point, like my Brian Hoyer's your backup, my it's point, not going to last forever. My point being is if Brady walks away within the next few years and Belichick do, does the same, that franchise could hit the skids. That franchise could go down very quickly. Or is it like the Spurs where they just sort of reload and they... Now, I mean, if, if Belichick were to stay for another 5 or 10 years, I don't think losing Tom Brady... Means that they're going to drop to five and eleven. Yeah, I, I don't think, think he, would, he stays I, that long. It's I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl every other year. Uh, but if he were to stay for five or ten more years and go to the next quarterback, I think it's more San Antonio Spurs than my guess you know, is other franchises. My guess is he doesn't. And and Robert Kraft is in his seventies. I could just see I could see that franchise going from being Brady Belichick to being new head coach. They draft a quarterback and fall to at least a few years not making the playoffs. So I'm going to say, to answer your question, I'm going to start with Cleveland and the Jets as being, because we, we we laugh rightfully so, so sometimes at those teams, but those are two teams that strike me that could turn things around pretty quickly and get good. Yeah. Uh, let's talk some twins when we come back here. We'll 
take a trip down to uh, Fort Myers. Dan Hayes covers the Twins for The Athletic. They've got some roster decisions to make, and uh, we can throw some of those uh, sort of like projecting what the Twins are going to be. And, and and are people excited? We can go back to our poll, too. We'll talk some Twins when we come back. Dan Hayes joins the show. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. There's a lot of hunger here. You know, they made the playoffs last year, and they really added this year. It's, it's nice to be uh, at a spot where they're really – they're buying in bullpen, lineup, starting rotation, and really committed to winning. So that's a, that's a refreshing thing to see. And just the energy that everybody kind of brings and the energy Molly brings to the locker room, it's it's a really uh, it's a really good place. Jake Odorizzi talking about all the Molly in the locker room. Or no, he's, no, he's talking about Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. There's Sorry. No, yeah. No. Or maybe, let's, I don't know, maybe he was talking code there. Yeah. Uh, Dan Hayes covers the Twins for The Athletic. And uh, let's, let's we, we kicked this around last hour. Just get your thoughts on it. It seems like, so Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb were both names that were sitting out there, and the Twins may or may not have interest. And so the Twins get Lance Lynn one year, $12 million, and Alex Cobb signs four years, $60 million with Baltimore. That seems like a pretty huge gap in contract between two guys who have pretty similar, like, in terms of injury and performance profiles. Um, what are your thoughts on those two deals? Yeah, I actually was talking to somebody here with the organization a little bit about that and how it, you know, it, it's unfair for Lynn's agent because I think this was a choice for Lynn of going somewhere that's a good platform for the next contract and no better springboard probably than to go from a team that was obviously contending but didn't need him anymore to a team that's contending and did need him. And I think that. Meanwhile, you get Cobb who goes out and, and just gets his agent gets the best deal he can find, and it's a good deal at this point. I mean, you know, there there are some rumors out there about you know maybe other teams being in the bidding process. Uh, the Padres, I think John Heyman may have written that uh, the Padres got in there late to ask about Cobb, but it's stunning when you see that difference, and it, it just kind of shows you how good of a off season and, and lucky in some ways the Twins were. But I think that. Really, the Twins have some appeal to free agents to get the guys they did. I, I think you know it, it says a lot about the the young guys they have here and and Buxton and and the belief that this team isn't far off at all. And because it does not look good at all for Lynn to say I'm going to take one in twelve million, but it has to come down to personal choice and and wanting to pitch for a contender and and try again next year. Uh, you know, I, I think he probably believes in himself and. I think those 78 walks probably scared some teams off. I mean, that, that walk rate, I remember looking at him going, why isn't somebody signing him? And I looked at the walk rate and was like, oh, there you go, because he's not perfect. You know, and coming off Tommy John, I think he probably has an expectation that he can at least improve that a little bit and have another good year to back it up and, and then get a better contract next year. Hey, Dan, I'm confused, though. So so basically the, the market and teams had a guy like Cobb exactly where they probably wanted him to be. And so you're you're in the driver's seat, and if you're a team, and Lynn takes his contract, and you're saying, okay, this might be collusion, it might not be, but it's certainly playing out in favor of teams. And then the yeah. Orioles come along at the last second, basically, and say four years. I mean, they could have done this in January or so. Um, yeah. What what's the what's the perception around baseball of of having a guy like Cobb exactly where you want him, and then for a team to come in and say, oh, we'll give you four years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they're bidding against, really. I mean, it's a surprising uh, deal to see it at this point. I mean, because Greg Holland's sitting there right now, and Greg Holland could be a closer on probably 
22, 25 teams at this point. Right. And, and, and he's sitting there. And, and yet Alex Cobb, who is a good pitcher. I mean, we probably, if we go back and evaluate the group at the start of the year, Alex Cobb is probably four, three or four, depending on your taste and, and Lynn and, and him amongst those free agents out there. And, and so I thought that it would be similar. I mean, you saw a report that the Brewers offered Cobb the same exact deal as Lynn was getting. One in twelve million, mm-hmm. and for the uh, for the Orioles to do this, maybe the Orioles had a change of heart and think they can contend. I I, I don't know. I, it, it's so strange to see that happen at this point. Um, you know, with all the deals that have been coming along. I mean, Jake Arrieta, you knew he would probably get some money. Boris guy, and it makes sense for the Phillies with such a young team to have a, a guy like that around, even at that cost. I was talking to a Phillies reporter about the other day, the Phillies they don't care about the money. At this point, they don't have so, that much money committed so they can afford to do this, and it was a, a good spot to do it, to bring in a guy like that to have around Aaron Nola and to have around all their your other young guys. But but for, for Cobb to do that, you know, as, <laughs> it's just a crazy deal. Yeah, it seemed weird. Uh, some advice? Cancel all plans tonight. I've got my gut tells me. My gut tells me that, that with opening day on Thursday, you are going to get the 5 o'clock news dump. Miguel, Miguel Sano's discipline or not will be announced because it's it's the last chance to basically try and bury a story that, that's not going to be good potentially for the player or the league. Make no plans to go to the bar. Make no plans to go out out to eat. I think at about five fifteen Eastern, you're going to get the you're going to get the email saying here's what MLB is doing with Miguel Sano. Well, here's here's the good thing. This week's uh, Airbnb for spring training is right above the bar. So I'm in good shape. I don't have to go very <laughs> my far. my type of guy. I like you. I, I can just do a little rope ladder out of my window down to it if I need to. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I was just talking to some scouts about this maybe five minutes before I talked to you guys. And I mean, it's dragged on. It, it's to that point where they got to do something. They got to do it to, the, to be – not that you want to be fair to the team because the guy, and this is a very serious situation, but – this is the window, too, where teams need to be able to operate. That's the kind of move that if it was a huge punishment, they need to be able to figure out what they, they can do. And, and that last three, four days before opening day, there's going to be all kinds of guys flying out there right now. I mean, look, Eric Ibar's a, a free agent again, and, and uh, Ryan Flaherty's out there. And, and so you need to be, have some freedom to operate. You would think that they'd want to at least give the team a shot to find a solution, too, and give the players some heads up on where he's going to start his season. Um, it's not something that they want to throw out there on Wednesday and have it be the main story. And it's certainly not something you want there on opening day. So you're right. I, I think Friday here is, is the window over the weekend. And, you know, it, it's going to be good for both sides to get that clarity. And they've been waiting for it all along. Obviously, it could be detrimental to the Twins' chances if he's out for a long time. And So they got to be able to kind of plan around that. And obviously with Polanco thrown in the, the – uh, mix earlier this week and, and out 80 games, it, it, it really could hurt them to have this happen. So they they have, I think they can get by at this point with, with the guys they have and, and possibly finding somebody on the waiver wire or maybe a small trade. But losing Snow for a significant period now definitely would be detrimental. Uh, Dan Hayes with us here on Mackie and Judd. So as far as the final pieces to the roster, there seems to be a lot of moving parts with the Snow suspension and or not. Uh, Phil Hughes and and his status. So, what do you what do you see here for final pieces? And um, and what are like what, what where do you think they're leaning toward? Like 
Phil Hughes as a starter? Uh, does Zach Granite make the team? Robbie Grossman? Help, help us put this puzzle together. Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I, Robbie Grossman, I believe, is on. I think he's been on from the moment that they decided Vargas wasn't their guy. Yep. Just because Grossman can hit lefties, and they need that. That's the one thing that on that offensive side that is really definitely missing at this point. Um, you know, granted, it, it's interesting. I, it's possible, Tim. It's, it would be very uh, Terry Francona platoonish if they do it because maybe you just keep Grossman to pinch hit for Kepler, and then you put Granite in as a defensive replacement, something along that line. I don't, you know, if if that's the case, I think that's where they would go. But um, it wouldn't stun me at all if we see them add a shortstop defensive first type player late in the week or or a, another third baseman option. I mean, they probably have no clarity at this point on Sano. And, and it's, so it was kind of strange to see them say goodbye to Eric Ibar, uh, knowing he was going to opt out possibly, but he wasn't going to be a shortstop. There's just no range there. So I, I think they must figure there's some guys out there that if they're looking for another defender, like infielder, they'll, they'll find it. I mean, you know, across town, you got Devin Marrero for the Red Sox, who's out of options and probably going to be uh, exposed here in a few days or, or could be acquired for next to nothing. Um, and on the pitching side, I, Tyler Kinley, I think, is in. He's impressed them a lot. He obviously has, as somebody said to me uh, a couple days ago, the fastball is not even his best pitch, and that's 98. Yeah. He went slider, slider, slider. He could get a lot of outs. So I think he makes it because he's the Rule 5 guy. Um, Moya's been really good, but I think Moya will be the last cut. And I think that Phil Hughes probably is a spot starter slash long man to go. Uh, it sounds like April 11th is where they're kind of targeting the fifth man for the first time. And uh, Hughes has pitched well enough, I think, to get by and be that guy. It's just they got to keep him consistent. And, and it is possible maybe they start him on the season on the DL so he can get a couple more starts and pitch every fifth day here. Um, and, and maybe they kept Moya in that case. You know, it's, there's so many moving parts at this time of year. It's quite, it's hard to peg down, but I wouldn't, no matter what they do with Hughes, I think he has pitched well enough to be with them in April at some point. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's that fifth guy, long man until Irvin Santana comes back. So t- Tyler Kinley, and this is this is where Twins fans probably have a little bit of uh, JR Gra- post JR Graham stress syndrome from a couple years ago. <laughs> they hear Rule Five and think, well, that's just a guy that you're trying to hide on the roster. Uh, but you have plans to maybe make the playoffs this year. So, to what degree is Tyler Kinley as a Rule Five guy, a guy that you're just going to try and hide versus a guy who could actually come in and get big outs? I, I think that he could probably be somewhere in that sixth inning you know i mean he's got enough stuff to do it and it's not like a rule five guy who's so inexperienced he's 27 you know he's been around it's it was kind of surprising to to see him even out there uh, but obviously command has always kind of been the issue for him so it wouldn't you know i i don't know that he's the kind of hide guy i think that they have enough confidence in him i know that one of the guys in the front office was raving about him last week after he came out and we were all pretty sure at that point that tyler kinley was on the team um, so, you know, I think he's a guy that he, he's definitely still that sixth or seventh man in your bullpen, but you've got such a strong group that it wouldn't probably be pitching in the seventh, eighth or ninth. It's probably a little earlier than that and build him some confidence and let him work his way towards that and see if it works. And if not throw him back and you got some guys in the minor leagues that, you know, you think their track records at least deserve them a, uh, a shot up here. I mean, 
the fact that Boosnitz isn't up here obviously speaks to him not pitching that well this spring. And you got a couple other guys that are, are interesting down there. So I, I think they feel like they have enough depth that they can get by right now and see what they got with him. Santana comes back when, do you believe? Man, you know, I mean, the fact that he told us the other day that he uh, is still not playing catch and he hopes to be playing catch by the time they go to Baltimore. I mean, hmm. you know, when I hear that, just having been around it, to say that he is going to be back on May 1, is it, it, it's hard to kind of fathom. I mean, I, I won't rule out the possibility of it because, you know, things happen guys especially with his track record of getting ready they know how to do it but he's such a feel guy and and so to say may one with absolute certainty i i just can't do it um it wouldn't stun me if it was a couple days into may may 10th um but they're at least insulated against that right now they've done such a good job adding odorizzi and lynn i think they think that kyle gibson's more that second half guy and and obviously jose Berrios is out front of the rotation, so I, I think they can. They think that they can get through without him for a while, and it, you know that's that's great for him. He doesn't have to worry about it and, and rush it. That that's probably good because the the swelling still hadn't been down as of uh, maybe Sunday or Monday is when yeah. I talked to him last, and it was it was not all the way down. It was improving a lot, but it wasn't all the way gone, and and so he's just continuing to work and wait. That's uh, that's Dan Hayes. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Hayes MLB. He's a Twins writer for the Athletic and uh, is also a member of the Baseball Writers Association. You can find his stuff and subscribe at theathletic.com/twins. All right, Dan. We'll talk soon, man. See you, Dan. All right, guys. Thanks, Dan Hayes. Uh, the Twins six days away from playing the Orioles in their opener, and then home opener will be the week after that. So we're getting pretty close. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty close. You know what we haven't done yet today is give away prizes and play game shows. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. So let's go callers 4 and 5 to 651-646-8255 and 877-615-1500. It's Game Show Friday from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey. He tells you things, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Game Show Friday! It is Game Show Friday with Mackey and Judd. Here are your hosts, Phil Mackey and... Judd Zogad. Hey. hey, what's going on, everybody? Oh, it's the audience. Oh. Glad you came back for uh, today's show so you could be involved in game, in game Show Friday. We thought you, you might know, miss it. Uh, the, there's two reasons why I came back for today's show from a little midweek excursion slash <clears throat> drinking in Fort Lauderdale. Write that down mm-hmm. and Game Show Friday. Two of the, the best segments in local sports radio. And both. And yep. The first one went swimmingly today, I thought. I thought Write That Down went fantastic. Didn't you guys think Write That Down today was one of our best? Well, you already lost. Like you, you lost a point. You broke even in Write That Down. Yeah, no, but I just thought it was. A, and lost a point. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it went really well. I thought all, all the You're predictions. You're being a Richard were, right now. <laughs> Stop it, <laughs> Richard. Insincere Judd, Richard. Is back. <laughs> yes, I am. Richard. Richard. By the way, has uh, has Dick Bramer tweeted anything interesting over the last few months? He tweeted. Since he blocked me. We did something yesterday or two days ago about his excitement about opening day. Yeah, Sounds and, and he and, and 
And he and Bert, he and Bert have now done. They did a game a couple days ago, so they they didn't take the the Provis Gladi simulcast. And then at noon today, they're going to do, I think, their final spring training tune-up game. Or second to last. Yeah. Houston. Do you, do you think we could do a regular segment like once a week on the show where you just update me on all the tweets I'm missing? I actually checked to make sure because I suggested earlier in the week, and I, I thought it might have gotten back to Bramer. I, I basically said, I don't know why. Oh, it will. I, I said, I You'll don't know. find out. I, why do the Twins need a play-by-play guy on TV? I'm all for putting two analysts who talk baseball and explain strategy I don't need play-by-play in 2018 on a television game. So you want, like, the players-only thing on like TNT? I Smalley and, like, Tom Kelly was, was my dream. You Not going to happen. The TNT NBA players-only yes, thing? Yes, that's what I want. It's, I mean, it's still... I think they're ironing out some of the kinks there, but they just have three or four players... Yeah. And they'll just pick the one who's the most smooth at bringing in and out of commercial breaks. Correct. So that's your... All right, Chris Weber, that's going to be your job tonight. Just make sure we don't train wreck into a commercial break. And then bring us back and read the sponsors and stuff, and then just talk about basketball. That's what I want. Yeah. This is I mean, an that's awesome much... game show. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll get back All to right. this. All right. Hey, game show Friday, everybody. Yeah, studio audience. All right. <laughs> Short attention spans. <laughs> we got Chris, and we got Tom, and we have a four-pack of tickets to the championship portion of the 3A and 4A boys high school basketball tournament uh, tomorrow at 5 o'clock. It's session six, but you want to see uh, Trey Jones. You want to see Triple A and Quad A in the finals. That would be tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. So we have a four pack of tickets to that. We've got a Minnesota United prize pack and a Blu ray combo of I, Tanya and also of Downsizing, starring uh, Matt Damon and Krista Wig. So let's do this. Let's get Chris and Tom on the line. Chris, are you there? I'm here. What's up, Chris? How's it going? Uh, Tom, are you with us? I am. Good morning, guys. Good hey, morning. Tom. You guys ready to clash in a battle of wits and sports knowledge? Let's go. It's kind of sports knowledge. It doesn't take a lot of sports knowledge to win this game. But, Dave, what game will they be playing? Oh, Chris and Tom, get ready. Get ready because our Timberwolves have reached 41 victories. They are guaranteed a 500 record at minimum this season. So we have a very special Timberwolves futility edition of Closest to the Pin. Reminiscing on past Wolves futility because it's no longer futile Mm -hmm. unless they lose to the Grizzlies twice lost the playoffs so it's pretty simple we have a bunch of questions all of them have a number for an answer the goal is to get as close to the right answer as possible then we add up your score how far away you are uh, from the pin so to speak at the very end you guys ready Let's start with Chris here. Judd, you and I can just alternate. Sure. All right. How many consecutive seasons have the Wolves finished under 500, Chris? Uh, 11. Tom? I was going to say that. Uh, I'll go 12. Tom, a little bit closer. (laughs) To 13 is the correct answer. So Tom has the early lead at one away from the pin, and Chris is two away from the pin. Dave will keep score for us. All right. Uh, question number two. We'll start with uh, Tom this time. During those 13 losing seasons, how many times have the Wolves failed to win at least 20 games in a season? So during that time span, how many times have Jeez. the Wolves failed to win at least 20 games in a season? Tom? I'm going to say four. Okay. Chris? Uh, one. Correct answer is three. So Tom was a little bit closer on that one. They play... 
82 two games. Yeah. <laughs> One of right. those seasons, they only played 66, but they actually won more than 20 they that did. season. That was the Rubio knee injury season where they almost made the playoffs. And then Rubio got hurt and they tried to tank the rest of the way. I, I can't remember what happened there. But here's question three. How many different head or interim coaches have the Wolves had since Flip Saunders was fired during the 04-05 season? So since then, so what, 12, 13 years, how many different head or interim coaches have the Wolves had since Flip was fired 2005-ish? Chris? Uh, Six. And Tom? I'll go four. It's higher than both of those. Eight! Eight, so almost one per season. Kevin McHale, Dwayne Casey, Randy Whitman had a couple stints in there. Just itching his forehead feverishly, looking confused and angry. Uh, Kurt Rambis, Rick Adelman, Sam Mitchell, Flip Saunders again, and Tom Thibodeau in the mix. All right, Judd? All right, question number three. Kevin Garnett returned to the Timberwolves during the 2014-15 season and played with the team during the 2015-16 season as well, gentlemen. How many total games did he play for the Wolves during that stint? So he comes back in 2014-15, spends the entire 15-16 season with the franchise. We're looking for the total games he played for the Wolves during that stint. Tom? Ten. Chris? Uh... 19. The correct answer is 43, which would, is still I, incredibly low. I think I would have said 19 or something, because it was like five in the first year. Correct, five. But then he played most of the first half, I guess, the next year. So that's uh, that, that, that was so much fun when they came back and beat the Wizards, and then Flip called our show the next morning, and that was pretty much the peak of the Kevin Garnett return era. Now he doesn't talk to the owner, and... Works out with Bucks players <laughs> and, across the border. And is never coming back. Yeah. Dave, how about a score update here going into the last two questions? Nice tight game heading into it. Chris in the lead at 30 away from the pin. Tom nipping at his heels 39. Okay. Away. Larry, any, if, anyone's game. If I was to tell you guys that there, I believe I, I found a slight mistake in the, in the first question. I don't know if this is going to make a difference. But the consecutive seasons under 500 is actually 12. If you do if if you look it up, the Timberwolves missed the playoffs in 0405, which started this wretched streak at 44 and 38. Well now we gotta start over. So the now correct answer the over. correct answer is actually twelve. It's thirteen seasons of no playoffs. Blame I, the intern is what I say. I agree. Charlie again? Yeah, no, he, not Charlie. Is Charlie no, back? No, not Charlie. The other guy. Bennett. It, it's it was intern Bennett. He we, actually came up with this three years ago. Yeah. Anyway. If one point makes a difference, Judd. Then. But it's one point for both, so it, it cancels out. Okay. Because the pin is, you know what I'm saying? My God, can we continue the game? All right, I just did a question. lot of research earlier this week on this fact, sure and, I, and I want to make it, and I just confirmed that it was wrong. Thanks, Buzzkill. Here's question number five. <laughs> accuracy. How many? Accuracy. <laughs> when has accuracy, accuracy mattered in this Accuracy is a big part of this show. Here it is, question five. How many different Wolves have been All-Stars since the team's last playoff appearance? How many different Wolves have been All-Stars since the team's last playoff appearance, Chris? Um, counting the season? Yes. Four. And Tom? I'll go one more. I'll say five. Yes. Five is the exact correct number. Garnett, Sam Cassell, Kevin Love, Carl Towns, and James Butler all have made the All-Star game. 
so that means Tom is, and we're just going to keep the pin placed where it was for the first question. Tom is 39 away from the pin. Chris is 31 away from the pin. Anyone's game going into the final question, Judd. Uh, and we will start, Who by starts the way. Off? Uh, we're going to start with Chris. Okay. Who's in the lead here. Okay. Last question. How many total points have the Wolves scored as a team since their last playoff appearance? How many total points have the Wolves scored? God help us, gentlemen. Regular season only. Regular season oh, okay. only. Yeah, of course. Uh, since who knows if we're right here? But if we are right, Chris, go ahead. I'm saying a prayer right now. How much time do I have? You'll, we'll, we'll give you. We'll give you ten seconds. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a few. We go need ahead. Sister Jean to help us. Let's do four hundred. Thousand three hundred and sixty-six. All right, four four hundred thousand three hundred sixty-six. And Tom, yeah. uh, going even. Let's keep it simple. Uh, hundred thousand. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. Actually, one of you is very close to the pin, mm-hmm. and it's Tom. Tom gets a uh, hundred eleven thousand away from the pin to take down this edition. Of Game Show Friday, 111,605 points the Wolves have scored. Uh, but you know what, Chris, in fairness, the Warriors have scored 400,366 points since then. So you would have won if it was right. You guys are both going to go away home happy. <laughs> Prizes. We can't assure that they'll be happy. But Put you guys on hold. <laughs> their happiness is not our I don't know. We might have to go back and review. Uh, that first question may have thrown that game off a little bit. Uh, Brian just, Cook. Brian Cook. The Wolves have had 12 consecutive losing seasons, not 13. Get well, your facts this straight. This season's not over get yet. Your although fa- it's mathematically since impossible. They no, they're, the they're, yeah, get your yes, facts you straight. you are correct, Judd. Get your facts straight, he says. I gotta agree with him. Facts have never been a primary concern of this uh, Bitten show in the ass show. by the intern again. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. These men are consummate snowball artists. Mackey and Judd. Is this true? Yes, it's true. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, let's watch some hoops tonight. You can join me, Dave Harrigan, and 1500 ESPN. I'm going to be at Saks Sports Bar Vadnais Heights tonight from 530 to 730. It is the ultimate college basketball tournament viewing party. We'll have basket pong, plenty of prizes, a little bracketology perhaps, and the fantastic beer specials. It's sponsored by Dos Equis. All the details, 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. And now it's time for another member of the Mackey and Judd show to tell you all about his NCAA tournament bracket, even though you didn't ask. Just a terrible year for my bracket. Really started to fall apart early on. Arizona, which I thought would (coughs) give a damn about the tournament, didn't. Yeah. Now all these upsets. I mean, I love Sister Jean, and I think that's a great story, but my bracket's just a mess. You do love Sister Jean, don't you? I think the Sister Jean story is fantastic. I really do. We don't care that you don't give a shit. That's because that's what the season's all about. This has been a member of the Mackey and Judd Show telling you all about his NCAA tournament bracket. You know who is who's exposed himself as a fraud? And maybe just ex- maybe he exposes himself to, I don't know, in general. Judd? Besides Judd. Dave's just who we all know. Yeah. Don't, it's just... It's just you're mad right now. It'll be fine by Monday. John Calipari. So we know that he's yeah. had issues in the past. Yeah. So he has ta- so he has taken he's branded Kentucky as a place where one and dones can come in. They can uh, they can learn how to be an NBA player in 12 months. 
Don't worry about going to class. Just go to class once in a while. Your class is going to be, it's a one-year tutorial on Cat. how to get drafted, right? Cat. Cat. There's a bunch of examples. Yeah, but. And there's a lot of great players that come from Kentucky, and they go on, like Carl Anthony Towns, DeMarcus Cousins, et cetera, mm-hmm. and they become. Think of, And people rip on John Calipari because he doesn't go deep in the tournament, really. He has, does he have, he, he might have one national championship in the, like, almost decade at Kentucky. One at the most. Go look that up. But at least the one, yeah. I'll have to look it up. How but, often no, it doesn't matter. How how often would a team of five freshmen in today's college basketball too, where like there's so much parody, where you run into these teams like Loyola that are just loaded with uh just experienced team basketball players. Are you really gonna take a team of five freshmen and win six times to win a national championship on a regular basis? Like he, it's, oh, Kentucky saying. is yeah. framed as this top program. No, this was why it's a top program as an NBA feeder system. Yeah, as a development it's, program, it should not be considered a top but, program to win the national championship anymore. Twenty twelve before that ninety eight. Okay, if, and if, that, I think he had like was Anthony Davis on that team. If you recall, though, this is why Clem was so good because Clem in in the in the era where guys either just began uh, skipping school back then altogether or being one and done. What made the Gophers good was Clem got good players, not great players. And for the NBA most, caliber players. Yeah, but for the most part, they would stick around for a minimum of two years, a lot of them for four years. Yeah. So Clem's success was based on the fact that, that he would take a team that had that would mature together, that would gel, and play good schools with young players. Yeah. That's what made Clem good. That That's why the 97 banner should go back up. If I recall, that team was largely made up of guys who had been around for at least a while. It was not a bunch of one and dones. He brought in guys who he knew were good but not great. They would stick around, play his system, and be successful. Yeah. Like, how often, if you're going to go out there with a bunch of 18 year old kids, and that maybe they're going to be in the NBA in a couple of years, in terms of just being able to handle the mental load of these close games and these environments, and, and you're going up against the best teams in the country, You're, we're all fools to think that Kentucky, oh, yeah, Kentucky, just because they have the five best freshmen in the country, I'm sorry, you run into a good veteran backcourt from a power conference. Yeah, you're in trouble. You're going to lose. And that's what happened last night. So John Calipari, I don't know, little used car salesman there, uh, beyond little? what we already knew from him. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot. And it's great because, you know, you're still going to win enough games in the regular season if you're him, and you're still going to... You're still going to be relevant. You're when you have that much talent, you're definitely going to win twenty to twenty five games in the regular season. You might even go undefeated in the regular season, like they did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But then somebody, a big boy team, maybe with some bigger, thicker kids, unless it's all Carl Anthony Towns is on the court for you at one given time. It wasn't shocking last night that they lost to Kansas State. It just wasn't. And I'm not even a college basketball expert. I did but not see that, a second when, of it. I, when that game tipped off, game. I said, "Wow, Kansas State actually has players that aren't freshmen on the court, and they're really good." So maybe they have a chance to be Kentucky. Anyways, Dave's got some questions when we come back here. Yeah, I might have one about the tournament uh, that we are in the middle of. And Kenny's hot take from this morning has inspired a question that I have to throw at you guys. And Doogie with a scoop, an end-of-the-week scoop, in about a half hour from now. Mackie and Judd.